Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. I'm going to talk about something that I believe is key for the body of Christ. There are five major focuses of the church. There are about five facets of the church. The reason why the church is, when I mean the church, I mean the body of Christ. The first one is worship. So the church is called to worship. That's the first one. I mean, the church in the first place means the elect. It means the called out ones. It means those who have been called out or the elect of God. That's the church. That's what it means when we say the church. So the first purpose of the church, who has read the book, uh, the, the Purpose Driven Church before by Rick Warren? Who has seen that book? All right. If you read um, that book, you see the five purposes of the church. And I'm just going to list them, but I'll focus on just one tonight. But the first one is worship, because everybody is called to worship God. All right. The second one is um, discipleship. So that as you come into the body of Christ, you're not just a, 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 a believer, but you are a believer that has become a disciple. All right. Who is a disciple? A disciple is a follower. Right? The disciple is a follower of Christ. That's a disciple. One who has been discipled, who has come to the place where he understands the principles behind what he represents. That's the one who can stand as an ambassador. That's a disciple. So the third one is um, missions. 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 That's where a lot of ministries are born. That's where a lot of um, 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 outreaches are done. People who have ministries into different sectors, that's what we call missions. Then the fourth is um, evangelism. All right. We have a great commission that we ought to go around the world preaching the gospel to the poor, preaching the gospel to everyone. I, I hope that you have been witnessing you know, I hope you spend your time to talk about Jesus whenever you have the opportunity to. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Because it's necessary that you do. I mean, you can only speak of a message that you're convinced of. Is that not so? Alright? And like we have said to you before, that the, the force of sharing the good news is in the message itself. Right? So the, the enthusiasm of sharing the gospel is in the message of the gospel itself. Everybody wants to say a good news. Everybody wants to talk about a good news. So if you have received the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ, that your sins are forgiven, you have received the gospel that um, um, God is not angry with you, God is not counting your sins against you, is the more reason why you want to tell the unbeliever. You want to tell somebody who is not saved. Praise God. And we have a lot of believers who have not done that since they were saved. Since you got saved, you've never been able to stand, you know, face to face to someone to say, Jesus loves you. I'm not saying, come to my church. I'm saying, witnessing the message of the gospel. I hope you're doing that. Praise God. In fact, you might be saved for about five years and have never been able to say, to someone, God is not angry with you or he's not counting your sins against you. So, I want you to take evangelism as a passion because that's to the extent and to the degree that we're called. Amen. Amen. I mean, think about it this way. 
I don't want to go into the conversation of the elect because that would drag us into debates and stuff that we're not ready to handle tonight. But think about it this way. Uh, Bishop Feb said something uh, the last time he was here. That what if life was a, was a, was, was a dream and death w- w- is when you wake up. Now think about it this way, that the people who you say you love and the people who you say you admire, you respect, some of them are even family members, some of them are friends. And they are not saved. Think about it, that you could have been their only opportunity to hear in the gospel. So, how can they, according to Romans chapter 10, how can they hear, accept, alright, how can they, is it no first? In order to avoid the confusion, let's just go to the scripture. I think Romans 10 verse, what, what, what verse is it? Verse 15 or 16? 14. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Say with me, I'm the preacher. You know what people say? I'm too shy to talk about the gospel. Look, the Holy Spirit in you is enough to kill shyness. To be very honest. You, you can't be on that level for too long. I'm shy. But if it's time for you to market your product, you're not shy. Am I not saying the truth? Or for the guys, if it's time, if, if it's time for you to toast a girl, you're not shy. <laughs> but to say the gospel, that's when you're shy. Something is wrong somewhere. Shyness is not a fruit of the Spirit. It's not. It's not. You must, don't, don't say that job is for the pastor. Or that job is for the, the, the one who holds the microphone. No, no, no. No. You must be confidently able to look at someone and say to the person, God is not angry with you. And, and say the gospel. Articulate the gospel to someone you know is not saved. You should be able to do that. Praise the Lord. Because we have a commission to go into the world and preach the gospel to every people, all nations, every people. Praise God. I know you have loved ones who are not saved. Some of you even have parents that are not saved. You are your father's opportunity to hear in the gospel. You remember the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, where the rich man started to beg on, on, on uh, uh, he, was, he was saying, please let someone be sent back into life so that um, their, his brothers can be warned that this place not be so. <laughs> they should get their lives straight. You see? So you are someone's opportunity to hear in the gospel. Praise the Lord. So whenever you see that unbelievers are around you and you have the opportunity to say a word or sleep a message, please never fail to do so. Hallelujah. So that's the fourth one. Then the fifth one is fellowship. The fifth one is fellowship. Fellowship. Fellowship is the fifth one. So what did I say the first one is? Worship. The church is called to worship. Secondly, discipleship. Thirdly, missions. Fourth, 
evangelism and the fifth is fellowship so we're going to focus on fellowship tonight fellowship and i've titled this sermon the beauty of fellowship can we say that together the beauty of fellowship Help me look at someone who is by your side and say to him, It is beautiful when we are in fellowship with each other. Glory to God. Alright, Acts chapter 2 verse 42. Acts chapter 2 verse 42. Let's start with Acts chapter 2 verse 42. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and what? Fellowship. Let's read it together. One to go. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. What did they continue steadfastly in? The apostles' doctrine and what? And fellowship. Uh, Fellowship is necessary. Now, the early church, let's not confuse fellowship with coming to church. Okay, coming to church is not necessarily fellowship because the truth is many of you come to church and don't fellowship. Because while this was written, the early church actually did not have buildings where the people met, so they actually met in people's houses or people's homes. So, uh, from one brother's house to another brother, because the church was under persecution, so you could not even build a temple for the people to come together to worship. So, everybody had to meet in different, and they had to disguise it. They had to disguise the message. Today, we're meeting in his house, and they will send a secret text message that today is Pastor Paul's house. And so uh, um, so that the Romans... You know, don't get to find out that Pastor Paul is consistently having meetings. They will have to move the meetings from Pastor Paul's house to Pastor Simon's house. And that's how they keep moving the people. You know, uh, there's a lot of persecution that has happened lately and even in the past. I hear sometimes in, sometime in China that people have to sneak to have fellowship. That's the church now. Sometimes they will meet underground to have fellowships and they dare not go with the Bible because if you go with the Bible you're caught you, you could be executed so guess what when the pastor says let's turn our Bibles to Philippians chapter 2 from verse 5 the people just begin to read because they, they would spend time to memorize the scriptures as much as they can because you can't hold physical Bibles in China So, fellowship has been one of the most challenged aspects of the church. But we enjoy that today. But I see that we don't milk and we don't take the benefits of what fellowship is. Despite the freedom that we have, we don't take the benefits of fellowship to the full capacity to which we should. Hallelujah. So, whilst the the apostles were meeting in different people's homes, today we have a privilege where... We all come together under one building and we begin to enjoy fellowship. But I still see that many of us don't really have fellowship. And fellowship is something that we must consistently continue in. The Bible says that, and they continued, somebody say continued. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and 
fellowship. So it's not just okay for me to teach a word or for you to just hear the word. You know, there are people who come to church and say, all I just want to hear is the word. Hmm? Hmm? All I just want to hear is the, is the word of God. And once the word of God is, is done with, is over, uh, off, off I go. But, but you see, we're called to fellowship. Praise God. We're called to fellowship. And fellowship, like I said, the kind of fellowship I'm talking about is not the one where you take your friends and you're drinking beer together. That's not the fellowship I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Christian fellowship. It's very key. It's a major part of the church. and It's a major part of the body of Christ. Glory to God. So, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Fellowship isn't just something that we are, but fellowship is something that we do, meaning that it's meant to be both a noun and a verb. That even though the church uh, is a fellowship, but the church is not just a fellowship, the church does fellowship. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it brings in a new word that we participate in fellowship. We're deliberate about fellowship. Glory to God. So, so say this with me. Say, from, from now henceforth, I will practice fellowship. I hope you know fellowship is something that you practice. You don't, you don't, you're not just called a member of a fellowship. You know, uh, then they would ask you, what fellowship do you attend? And we would say we attended CFI. We would say we attended Living Faith. We would say we attended Christ Embassy. That's a fellowship. You're a part of a fellowship. But that's not just what fellowship is about. We do fellowship. Glory to God. Alright. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm giving you the basics and one of the fundamental aspects to which the church is built. And this is what we have known in time past. And I want you to catch the revelation of fellowship. You will see where this is going at the end of this meeting. Praise God. So say with me again, say, I do fellowship. fellowship. Alright, so you don't just hear the word and then go home. Or you don't just come worship God and you're a solo person and then you go. And you don't care about your brother. That's not fellowship. Are you getting what I'm saying? In fact, please take your mind outside of coming to church and leaving church. That's not, it's beyond what I'm, that's, that's what I'm saying is beyond that. Take your mind beyond when you come to church and when you leave. But if you don't have the spirit to fellowship with one another, it means you are not participating in one of the purposes of the church. You are missing a vital ingredient to which the church is called. So fellowship is key. Some of you have friends that, I do have friends that are not saved, and I pray for them every now and then. I talk to some of them, but there are sometimes, I mean, fellowship with some of those my friends, some of those of my friends, but that's not really the kind of fellowship I'm talking about. The fellowship I'm talking about is the Christian fellowship. Because there is, there is what I call a spiritual advantage to having a Christian fellowship. It's very key. Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? Alright. So, why is the Christian fellowship an important aspect of our faith? It gives us a picture of God or he gives a picture of God to the world 
You know, I mentioned something that God is so big on Friday while we're praying. That God is so big that one person can reveal all of God. So even if God would make the world six times over and over again, uh, and there are over 20 billion people that come back to planet Earth after one creation and another creation, everybody still can't express God. Because that's how big and vast God is. So, because of that, there is something fresh about you that God wants to reveal to the world. Do you understand that? Do you understand that there is a picture of God that nobody can ever see without you showing up? There's a sign of God that can never be revealed if you don't step up to manifest as a son of God. So when I say son of God, of course, you know, ladies, you're not excluded. Right? So, it's not a, don't bring the feminine something here. Son of God, the, the re, in fact, the reason why the Bible says son is because sons are meant for an inheritance. So, in Christ Jesus, there's neither male nor Greek. So, when the Bible says sons, even ladies inherit in this kingdom. So, it's not just the men who inherit. Women inherit. Are we together? So if you step up as a son, there is a side of you that nobody has seen before that is about to show up. That's the reason why the Bible says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. Are you getting what I'm saying? It says, behold, I will do a new thing, but somebody's got to call upon God. Hallelujah. So, there is a picture of God that we ought to show to the world. And that picture cannot be complete if we don't come together. Because one person can give a full picture of God. You and I have to come together so that the world sees who God truly is. And that's the reason why if you fail in your responsibility as a believer, you are depriving the entire body of what the entire body should show. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, the full picture of God, you make up the full picture of God. So that's the reason why fellowship is key. Fellowship is necessary. It's necessary that we're together in fellowship. Please tell somebody again, say, you make up the full picture of God. What's the meaning of fellowship? I simply define fellowship to be uh, sharing and participating. That's fellowship. If I'm able to share with you, I'm in fellowship with you. If I participate with you, I'm in fellowship with you. So fellowship is what? A sharing and participating. That's fellowship. Someone defines fellowship as two fellows in one ship heading in one direction. So that's, that's fellowship. And you know that's very key because we're all heading to where he has called us. Praise the Lord. So, there are major priorities of fellowship. Uh, unity is one priority of fellowship, and harmony is another priority of fellowship. I hope you know God doesn't want you and I to be uniform, but He wants unity. Alright? He's not saying that we ought to be exactly the same. I can't be exactly the same as you are. So unity is not the same thing as uniformity. Right? Okay? 
So don't think that because we are called to fellowship with each other, everybody has to be like you. Or everybody has to be the same. Everybody doesn't have to be like you. All pastors don't have to look the same. All sisters don't have to be the same. Don't have to like the same things. All brothers don't have to like the same things. But we are all called into unity with, with each other. Hallelujah. So unity is not uniformity. So stop trying to force people to be like you because you want them to be in fellowship with you. Alright? You must accept people for the way they are, as they are, and they can still be in fellowship with you. Are we together? Alright, First Peter chapter 3 verse 8. First Peter chapter 3 verse, verse 8. It says, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be cautious, not returning evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this. Say after me, I was called to this. That you may inherit a blessing. Okay, Let, let's read uh, the verse eight again together. We're going to read it together and the verse nine. All right. So let's do it together. One to go. Finally, all of you. Somebody say, all of us. Be of one mind. Having what? Compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be cautious. Praise God. Why should we love? Why should we be cautious? Why should we have one mind? Because we are in fellowship. Is that correct? Yeah, because we are in fellowship. So we ought to do this. Next verse. Let's read it together. One to go. Not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. I hope you know there are some times where you legitimately need to return. You just need to show someone something (laughs) you just want to do that but the bible is saying you don't have to why because we are in i can hear you guys say it loud because we are in what fellowship we're in fellowship with one another so we can do that with each other that if a member of your fellowship the body of christ now i'm not talking about member of your church Can I establish that? Please, I'm not talking about member of same church with you. As long as this person says he's a believer. That's it. May the spirit of this message come into your heart. (laughs) Then you would understand, because of the spirit of fellowship, the spirit of this message, you would understand what it means to celebrate with someone when he's celebrating. It's called the spirit of fellowship. Okay? So, he says, not returning evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. Somebody say, on the contrary. You know what I want you to learn how to do? Learn how to, on the contrary, return blessing for something else that you should have done, rightfully. Learn how to say what a blessing to someone who curses you. Why? Because you have the spirit of fellowship and then yes there's a part that I wanted to um, talk about there it says knowing that you were called to this so please say with me I was called to fellowship 
Alright. I was called to fellowship. I was called to fellowship. I was called to fellowship. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 10. Knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit the blessing. There's a blessing when we are in fellowship with each other. First Corinthians 1 verse 10, it says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak what? The same thing. And that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Somebody say the same mind, same mind. and in the same judgment. Why? Because of fellowship. Hallelujah. Uh, under this fellowship, we have one thing that guides our thoughts. Something is exalted as the major standard of judgment, and that's the Word of God. So everybody has to be of the same mind of the Word of God. So you don't say, oh, because I want to be on the same mind with you, and a member of the fellowship is going contrary to the Word of God, and you now align with him. No. Everybody must be on the alignment of what the Word of God says. Praise God. Because the Word of God is the highest, is our standard of judgment. What did Jesus say? Jesus said that um, what I hear, I judge. What I hear, I judge. Because my judgment is just. So you, you have to judge everybody's stand based on the principles of the Word. For you and I to bind together in fellowship and to be on the same mind, we must be standing on the principles of the word of God. Glory to God. Alright, so same mind, same judgment because we're in fellowship. Do you know why the devil would attack the unity of the church? Let me say this to all of you so that you watch out for the trick of the devil. In whatever church you are, whatever locality you find yourself in, whenever the brethren come together, there will be conflicts. Okay, um, it's inevitable that you would, you you would have conflicts. Okay, but the reason why Satan attacks the unity of the church is because there is meant to be a blessing in our togetherness. That's why he finds it. So when believers come together and are at peace with each other, Satan is not happy about it. So what he wants to do is to break the unity between two people who are in relationship with each other and then scatter that union. You know the Bible says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is all right, for brethren to dwell together in unity. So Satan doesn't like when the church is united. And guess what? He will begin to break the unity of the church from inside because Jesus said that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So this unity is stronger than Satan. Because Jesus is building his church and the gates of hell can prevail against Satan. I mean, the gates of hell can prevail against the church. But if the church is not together, if the church is not united, it will fall. Because if it is not, if, can two walk together except they agree? A house divided against itself cannot stand. So Satan will always fight and attack the unity of the church. Glory to God. So I, I, I want to teach you tonight, and I, or I've already started to do so, I mean, the benefit and the blessings of fellowship. You must never despise it, fellowship. You know, fellowship does not really have 
in a sense, some sort of spiritual connotation where it feels like you're praying in tongues and something is happening to your spirit. But fellowship just looks like everyday life. But the Bible says, behold, it's good. Somebody getting what I'm saying? It's more profound than when you speak in tongues and you hate your brother. It's more profound. It's more, it's more profound when you are in unity with someone. You can identify with someone's pain. You can identify with someone's success and truly be happy for the person than when you prophesy and you see clearly. <laughs> I mean, what did Paul say? Paul said that though I speak with the tongues of angels, I am nothing without love. He says, he says I'm a clanging cymbal. I'm a cymbal that just makes empty noise. But I don't know how to feel what somebody else feels. May the spirit of fellowship rest in your hearts. Say amen somebody. So, watch out for the attacks that come when the church is united together. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that you are the one who is hearing what Pastor Phil is saying today. You know, I can actually preach and shake you guys off your seats. I can do that. But this is basics. This is the thing that will keep us together in the next 20 years. You know, I was with my father like two weeks ago and he was celebrating his 65th birthday. And many of his friends came from Abuja, some came from Ireland, some came from Ghana, some came from all parts of the country. And they started to talk. They, we were lost in the crowd. They were having their own moment. And one held the microphone and said, Oh boy, you remember that, that time where we slept together preaching the gospel on the floor? This was, of course, way before I was born. But I, I, I started to imagine how those men were in fellowship with each other and have continued fellowship likewise up till today. We have the beauty of fellowship that God has given to us as a gift. Are you getting what I'm saying? You see, you see the faces that sit around you today. You never can tell where these faces will be tomorrow. And tomorrow you have a testimony next 10 years, 5 years, 20 years to say, I was in fellowship with these people and I still am in fellowship with these people. Praise God. So fellowship is key. It's something that the, God has called the church into and we must not despise the place of fellowship. Let me show you, watch out for this unity in the body of Christ and don't be a part to anything that breaks the church. Don't be a part of it. When I mean break the church, I don't mean you're posting something against the church. That's not when you break the church or when you have to put on Facebook, you write against the pastor. That's not only when you break the church. You break the unity of the church when you, slam, when, you, when you slander your brother. That's breaking the... That's, it's as gross, it's as, it's as deep as that. That if I, can, if I can slander you behind your back, I'm breaking the unity of the church. Praise God. Alright? Proverbs chapter 20 verse 3. Let me show you Proverbs chapter 20 verse 3. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 3. It says, It is honorable for a man to stop striving since any fool can start a quarrel. Look, look at your neighbor say, It's honorable to stop strive. Can I use another version? 
Let's use another translation, please, if you have it. Maybe message good. It's a mark of good character to avert quarrels. How many of you know that there are sometimes you can sense quarrel? You're talking with someone and quarrel is building. It's building. But many, many times you must, have, you must have discernment to know that if I continue like this, it's quarrel. So the Bible says it's honorable. Somebody says honorable. You don't have to get to the point where you strive. You don't. You don't have to get to the point where you are in a quarrel with someone. You must not be the reason why um, 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 there is a crack in the body. The Bible says surely offenses will come. But woe to him that the offense is coming from. That's scripture. That you can't bring people together and not expect that there will be conflict. There really will be conflicts. But I am not a party to breaking fellowship. Breaking fellowship is not necessarily um, disrupting the church service. If I see Pastor Joshua Yusuf, and I just don't like him because he's wearing a cap or he's wearing a hat. I just, I just don't like him for no reason. And I don't even know him. You know, there are people who just don't like you without even knowing you. <laughs> you haven't even had a dealing with them. But you're just a troubleshooter. There's just something, something wrong you have to say about the person. Oh yeah, Luke chapter 17 verse 1. It says, Then said he unto the disciple, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. The offense here is actually talking about sin. But... We can use it in the context to which we are speaking. That offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. Lift one hand up and say, God, I will be a perpetrator of peace, unity, harmony in the body of Christ. I will not be a part to anything that breaks the body, that divides the body. In Jesus' name. Amen. So it's honorable to avert strife. Let me show you another scripture. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 30. It says, Strive not with a man without cause. If he, if he have done thee no harm. This is just what I said now. I mean, why are you fighting with someone without a reason? <laughs> and even when you when you ask yourself, you know, you know, we like to hide under many things. Some of us hate to admit we have a problem with someone. And when 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 you want to face the truth, you say to yourself, "No, I don't have a problem with him. <laughs> I don't have a problem with her." And even when you are saying it, veins are already coming out of your head. <laughs> you are saying it with so much force. I don't have a problem with him. I don't have a problem with her. And as you are saying it, you are saying it angrily. You have a problem. <laughs> In fact, that's the problem. <laughs> so he says, do not strive with a man without a cause. If he has done you no harm. And even if he has done you harm, the Bible says it is wiser to avert a quarrel. Praise God. What am I talking, today, uh, talking about today? The beauty of 
what? The beauty of what? Fellowship. First Corinthians chapter one verse nine. First Corinthians chapter one verse nine. Let's read it together. One to go. God will do this, for he is faithful to do what he says. And he has invited you into partnership with his son. Can you please give me the King James Version in Jesus' name? Alright, let's read it together now. One to go. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, there's a word that I want us to bring here. It says... Uh, by whom you were called into the fellowship. See, if you know you have a calling here, lift your hands. You know you have a calling, you're called by God. Lift up your hands. This church is a well-taught church. Yes, I'm happy about that. You know why I'm saying so? I'm saying so because everybody has a calling including the man who is blowing up people, who is the Boko Haram guy. The Boko Haram guy has a calling, actually. It's just that his calling is on the reverse. It's on the negative. And it's it's likely an apostolic call to do the magnitude of, the magnitude of, are are you getting what I'm saying? Of, Of what he does in the area of negativity been a nuisance to this world (laughs) he has a calling now if that guy was saved he will channel people to God we have an example in scriptures Saul was killing members of the body of Christ and you, you know you know Saul was actually standing by when Stephen was stoned to death he was one of those that were putting pressure that Stephen be, be stoned to death. In fact, he didn't wait for the, the notes to come to him. He went looking for the, um, for the notes and permission to go about persecuting the church because of zeal. And that's the same way our half-brothers, you know, I call them our half-brothers, they persecute the church, they blow people in the name of jihad, saying that they have a reward from God when they do that. That's for people who don't have the spirit of God. And we now, the Bible says that we have, we have this hope. Alright? When the Bible says, he who has this hope in himself, that is, he purifies himself. That if our hope was to be here on earth, we're of all men miserable. So that the Christian faith most part of the Christian faith has nothing to do with here. A big chunk of the Christian faith has everything to do with the hope in heaven. So, I mean, if the unbeliever is driven by a hope that some jihadist told him that there's going to be 70 virgins and he's doing what he's doing and he has abandoned his own wife to go and meet 70 virgins he would never see, Praise the Lord. Where are we? First Corinthians chapter one verse nine. 
says God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son now say this with me everybody um, I was called into fellowship it sounds vague you know how we reverence when people talk about their callings because of how dramatic their callings can be they tell you when the Lord called me <laughs> the earth was flat the heavens were in cycles I was in the middle <laughs> a wild wind came took me up and I turned and turned and turned and I heard a voice saying my song <laughs> I have a question why is it that when God speaks many times, it has to be in baritone? <laughs> Why? Why do you think God can't say, my guy? Do you understand? Why, why do we think so? We're the one who puts a picture of how God's voice is. You say, God's voice, it has to be, feel, get thee down. Abuja. In fact, even in scripture, when it describes how God spoke, it talks about how, I understand the part of God that speaks and the, the, the Red Sea, see, at the blast of his nostrils, the sea is parts, the trees of Lebanon scatter. I understand that. But when God was about to speak to the prophet, the Bible says an earthquake earthquake came but he was not there a wild wind came God was not there where, where, where was his voice found still he didn't just say still voice small voice my guy <laughs> do you understand it doesn't have to be buried what makes you think God can't speak to you in a way you understand? He, he talks to you the way you know and recognize and perceive words. That's how he will speak to you. So, and it's the reason why people think God is not talking to them. Meanwhile, God has been speaking to you. You thought it was your mind. But it was God talking to you. In fact, God would be speaking pidgin English. Leave him, leave him, leave him. They go, they go, they go. That's God. It's God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Stop boxing, God. What brought me here? Hmm? We were called to fellowship. Now, when people magnify their call and say to you how they were called into ministry... You think of that thing as, you, you attach reverence to it. The same way you attach reverence to those kinds of calls. Please attach from today reference to the fact that fellowship is what you are called into. Can I say that again? Attach reverence to the fact that you are called into fellowship. You are called into fellowship. Say with me, say, I'm called into fellowship. 
You know where people say fellowship is not my thing? Talking to people is not my thing. Mm-mm. You are called into what? Fellowship. Praise God. We practice fellowship. We do fellowship. That's who we are. First John chapter 1 verse 3. First John chapter 1 verse 3. Since that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, see what John is saying. He's speaking to the Gnostics. These people are not saved. They are not born again. So, he's trying to bring them into the body of Christ, into fellowship. So, he says, um, the Jesus that we're talking about, because... It's, it's a long story. I don't want to give you the uh, summary of, of the Gnostic beliefs because that would, you know, make us deviate from what we're talking about. But these guys basically don't believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. So John is inviting them into the body of Christ. So he says that you also may have fellowship with us. So don't think that just because you're a member of the body of Christ, you're called to worship God. Your fellowship with God is enough. Because if you look at what he says here, he says, and truly our fellowship is with the Father. That's correct. But you must never ignore the part where he says, and have fellowship with, with us. Are, are you getting this? So fellowship with each other, fellowship with one another, is, is a legitimate aspect of our callings. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's read the next verse. Verse 4, please. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Somebody say that your joy may be full. Um, See, full joy is as a result of full fellowship. Write that down. Full joy is as a result of full fellowship. Full joy is as a result of full fellowship. If you want to share full joy, don't cut short your fellowship with, uh, I'm just enjoying my relationship with God. I mean, how many of you know that you can actually watch messages online? You can actually sit back in your house and you don't have to come to church. But that's half fellowship. There's nothing wrong with watching the message online. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with it. But full fellowship, that you may have fellowship with one another, is very key. We must not despise that place of having fellowship with each other. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. There are people who stay in their rooms and say, um, I'm just good worshipping God by myself. I feel the presence of God in my room. You know, right now I don't want to have anything to do with the association of the brethren. just want to be by myself. That's, that's going to lead you into half joy. Full fellowship will give you full joy. Praise God. May the spirit of fellowship envelop your hearts. Say amen, somebody. Glory to God. I'll give you a few points on on the benefits of, of fellowship. The benefits of fellowship. Write this. The benefits of fellowship, number one. When you enjoy real fellowship 
you see his manifest presence in real fellowship. Of course, we've experienced that in TSB before. I mean, you see the power of God come all over the building. And that's because we're in fellowship with each other. Luke chapter 24, verse 15. Luke chapter 24, verse 15. You see his manifest presence when we enjoy real fellowship. So it was why they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Now the Bible here says that while they conversed, these were two believers who were talking to each other. Uh, 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 while they were having conversations and they reasoned together that Jesus himself drew near. It's important to note that Jesus is attracted to fellowship. Okay? Jesus is attracted to fellowship. That's why the Bible says where two or three are gathered, he's there. He's there. So it says that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Next verse. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. Uh, what other example can you give, or can you figure out in scripture, where you see the manifest presence of God because people are together in fellowship? I'm waiting for someone to say something. In the upper room on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2 verse 1, where the Bible says that they were in one place, they were in one accord. Yeah, let's see that. And the day of Pentecost had fully come. What's Pentecost? Pentecost is um, 50 days after the Passover. Alright? It had fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. Uh, Next verse. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Next verse. Then there appeared to them dividing tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. Now this is fellowship. This was stirred by fellowship. So the coming together of these men, you know, provoked the settling of that fire, that Pentecost fire on the early church. So you feel the manifest presence of God when we're together in fellowship. If you hold hands to pray with three people who truly agree with you, you will see the power of God quickly. That's why many times when you have prayer partners, people who, who are at sync with you as a person, and they understand your pain, they understand your plight, and you hold hands together and pray with them, you will see results so quickly. Are you getting what I'm saying? So never despise the place of fellowship. Glory to God. So that's the first one. You see his manifest presence in fellowship. Number two, fellowship stirs up your heart. It stirs up your heart. In the same Luke chapter 24, but move down to 32, verse 32. I'll show you what happened. Luke chapter 24, verse 32. It says, And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn? within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us you see this is what fellowship provoked fellowship provoked a situation whereby 
As I was speaking to him, he was talking to me. My heart was burning inside of me. That's fellowship. That's fellowship. So there is the stirring of the heart whenever we are together in fellowship. Glory to God. You know, sometimes we really don't know how cold the heart can be until we come in touch with someone who really understands the depth of what we really feel in the spirit. And just one conversation can pull things out. Who bears me witness here? Yeah. Do you remember the, uh, the incident where um, Mary conceived of a child and her cousin Elizabeth was also with child? The Bible says that the moment Mary met Elizabeth, that the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped. That's fellowship. So you see there is a stirring whenever people come together. You must not despise fellowship. Rather than using fellowship to talk about another member in fellowship, use fellowship to stir up something in the heart of the person you are speaking with. Praise God. So that's the essence and the beauty of fellowship. Because we are called to fellowship. It's a calling. We're called to fellowship. The Bible says that the first Adam was a living being and the last Adam was a life giving spirit. Do you know who you are? See, people should talk to you and the moment they leave your presence, there should be something they feel from you. The Bible says that for to God we are the fragrance of Christ, both to those who are saved and to those who are perishing. In 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, um, I think it's uh, 15 or so, that, that the moment you are in touch with a member of the body of Christ, life is stirred up in that person. That's who you are. You are of that breed. You are of that person. You are of the, you are that manner. Hallelujah. Number three. Fellowship impacts on the life. Fellowship impacts on the life. Fellowship impacts on the life. Acts chapter 4 verse 13. Acts chapter 4 verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Look, Peter and John did not have to do too much because as a matter of fact, they did not have the criteria of the world as, as it, when it comes to marking the standard of success and eloquence and all that. But all they saw was the attributes of Jesus. And they just knew that these men were with Jesus. What do you think made that happen? It was fellowship. Just staying around Jesus. You know, the Bible says that before Jesus sent his disciples out, he called his disciples to be with him first. Why? Because I don't want to send you out and you don't look like me. If I'm going to send you out, you have to look like me. You must spend time with me so that if you speak, it's as though I'm the one who is speaking. That's fellowship. Have you seen where husband and wife over the years begin to look like each other? It's fellowship. It's a spiritual thing. That's how powerful fellowship is. Glory to God. 
So he says now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, because normally uneducated people, untrained people, are not supposed to have the kind of boldness that Peter had. But it was association with Jesus that made them seem that way. Glory to God. So we must value fellowship with each other. Can you just shake the person who is by your side, rub shoulders with him and say, I value you. You know how sometimes when your relationships and contacts and association with the world and with toxic environments, you know the effect it has on you all week? You go to work on Monday and you're done with work on Friday and you're in relationship with someone who doesn't believe in your God and vain words are flying all over the air in your workspace. Most times what you need is not prayer. What you need is just change of environment. It's just change of fellowship. You just need to be in fellowship. You just need to be with the brethren. And that just... It detoxifies your heart. It just helps you read off. That's why I wonder why people who work so hard don't run to church. Because coming to church should actually be your means to detoxing. That's why when David said, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. He's not saying because God is not where I am. God is in the office with me. I mean, David said that if I make my bed in hell, he's there. But it's not about where God is. It's not about the omnipresence of God. It's about the brother that is going to sit by me. There is an accentuated faith here. Praise God. So we must not despise the assembly of the brethren. Hallelujah. Number four. It keeps you from deception. I'm rounding off now. I'll probably continue. I'll just give you probably two more after this and then we'll close. It keeps you from deception. When you're in fellowship with your brothers, with your sisters, it, it protects your heart from deceptions. Now, let, let me tell you this very, very honestly. The lesser time you spend with the brethren, the easier it is for you to be swayed off. I'm telling you the truth. Because you never know how... Now, there's what we call the deceitfulness of sin. And the deceitfulness of the craftiness of the world. It doesn't take you all out at once. No. It takes you out gradually. And it takes people out who are not Planted in fellowship. I, I, I was born in church. My father is a bishop. My, my mom is a pastor. I mean, I have seen in my life of being a believer, in my spiritual journey, I have seen people who were very fervent in church. But after a while, you see that the fervency goes away. Why does it leave? It leaves because they, they abandon fellowship. And sometimes you think that you have enough word you have enough spiritual vigor to sustain yourself out there. But that's a deception. That's a deception. 
Because the concept of fellowship will transcend you being here on earth. I hope you know when we go to heaven, it's, it's about fellowship. Fellowship is here. Fellowship is there. So you must never think that you have outgrown the, the place of fellowship. You must never think so. Amen. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12. Beware, brethren. Look at your neighbor and say, beware. Uh, uh, I mean, just slightly touch the person who is by side. Say, hey brother, hey sister, beware. Uh, are you ready? Now, it says, beware, brethren lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now, he's not talking to unbelievers here. He's talking to believers. Can I make a real prayer for you? My, my prayer for you is that on your spiritual journey, you would not derail. You know why it's a real prayer? Because when you are derailing, you don't think you are derailing. Why? Because you are right in your eyes. So, sometimes the issues, sometimes the challenges you are having, you are blind to it, but every other person is open to it. And that's why the Bible says that there is a way that seemed right, but the end is what is destruction. I have seen pastors, I, I, I can name you pastor friends, pastor friends. We used to believe the same things. After a while, it was just a matter of time. What we believe changed. And the lifestyle didn't change automatically. It was just the belief, it was just the mindset first that changed. And after the mindset changed, you, you, you just noticed that we started to go in different directions. In the next five years, we were doing completely two different things. It's called the deceitfulness of, of sin. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Next verse. But exhort what? What does it say? But exhort what? What is one another about? Talk to me, everybody. Exhort one another daily while it is called. What? See. Value fellowship now. Say yes, somebody. Value fellowship today. Don't, don't, don't exalt fellowship tomorrow above today. Take, hold on to fellowship now. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Next verse. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. So write this down. One of, the benef- one of the benefits of fellowship is persistence. One of the benefits of fellowship is persistence. It makes you persistent when you are in fellowship. It makes you persistent when you are in fellowship. Glory to God. I was counseling someone in Kano. She, she was married for about, about seven years. And everything just seemed not to make sense. 
for her. Everything just seemed not to make sense. You know, she, she had issues with her husband, issues with her father. In fact, she and her father never had a good relationship, you know. And I looked at her life and I realized that everything she was doing was a reaction. You know, everything about her was just a reaction. She wasn't... Be careful so that your life is not a reaction. In fact, it's important that you learn how to live, not react. Okay? Be careful so your life is not a reaction. You know, one of the ways um, being hardened in your heart will express itself is when you are reacting. So you might think you have a plan or you are focusing on something, but it's not really a plan. It's a reaction. So she told me of her plans, and when I looked at all her plans, all her plans were centered around a reaction against somebody. Look, enjoy living your life and not reacting. Praise God. When life becomes a reaction, you are not living. (laughs) Number five, being in fellowship gives you motivation and encouragement. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24. Being in fellowship gives you motivation and encouragement. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Alright. Please go back to verse 24. Let's, let's read verse 24 together. One to go. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Uh, uh, what do you need to do with your brother, with your sister? Stir up what? Love and what? Good works. That's fellowship. Let me give you the last one. Um, one of the advantages or the benefits of fellowship is that you draw strength from fellowship. You draw strength from fellowship. Okay? You know, I've said to you many times that a lone block is a vulnerable block. When the block is by itself, that's when it's most vulnerable. Okay? So when we sing the song, I need you, you need me, it's not, it's not because you, 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 we just want to make you a people person. You know, we're not trying to force your personality to being a people person. But I need you, you need me is part of the calling for the believer. Yeah? So you draw strength from fellowship. 1 Samuel chapter 23 verse 16. 1 Samuel 23 verse 16. Alright? Then Jonathan Saul's son arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his what? His hand in God. So one of the benefits of fellowship is that you draw strength from fellowship. Uh, time will fail me to tell you the, the story behind what, what happened here. Um, David was actually running away from Saul. You know, and uh, the Kazites and the Zephites were against David. You know, and his life was hanging in the balance somewhat. And the Bible says that when when David was somewhere in the cave, 
in the woods that Saul came and strengthened the hand of David in God. That should be your agenda. Okay? That should be your agenda. Whenever you see anybody who is weak, who needs to be strengthened, just a word of courage, just a word of encouragement. That's all you need to do. You know, the Bible says, say to the righteous what? The Bible says what? <laughs> say to the righteous what? It is well. So learn to strengthen each other in God. I speak this message from the bottom of my heart that every one of you will catch the spirit of fellowship. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine David here, the life of David. David was running up and down. Running from Saul. And do you know that this happened after he was anointed? This happened after David was poured oil upon by Saul. You know, I hear people say, because I'm anointed, why am I going through persecution? Why you're going through persecution is because you're anointed. Yeah. If you read the previous verses, you will see how David escaped Saul. And even in the verse after, you see how he, you know, how he still escaped Saul. And he had the opportunity to kill Saul, but he never did. Don't think because you are anointed, you won't be persecuted. Don't think so. Jesus was persecuted. John was persecuted. Paul was persecuted. James was persecuted. How did Peter die? Peter died being crucified upside down. Persecution. In fact, John, they couldn't kill John. They put John in boiling hot oil and, and he didn't die. Because of Zoe life. <laughs> so they left him, they, they, they tagged him as a toxic agent and separated, they, they took him away to the island of Patmos where he wrote the book of Revelation. He saw Revelations and look, your being persecuted should not affect your reason for fellowship. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? Do you know Saul persecuted David, but when it was time for David to pay back, he said, how shall I touch the Lord's anointed? Now, there are some of you who have been burnt being in church. Can I speak to you? Can I speak to you? In fact, some of you feel you're never going to have anything to do with church people again. Let me say to you, never maximize the challenges of fellowship above the benefits of fellowship. Don't find your place there. Where you say to, uh, uh, you see, Pastor Phil, I'm done with church people. I was, I was, a friend of mine called me from London and she was telling me about, you know, her husband who, uh, he, he's called into ministry. But he has had a challenge with many other pastors. So because of that, it killed his, his drive for ministry. And I said to her that he has only focused on one part. In fact, he's reacting and he's not leaving. Because if he was to be leaving, he would be in ministry. Are you getting what I'm saying? Never raise or maximize or exalt the challenges of fellowship above the benefits of fellowship. Please never find yourself there. Glory to God. So it's important that you are in fellowship all the time. 
if anybody in church offends you, forgive the person and be in church. And release your heart to still trust church people because you are a church person. Say, I don't want to trust church people. I don't want to have anything. If everybody is saying that also about you, as if you are not a church person. Praise God. Read the next verse. What verse are we? Okay. Go to verse 16, please. Go to verse 16. Everybody, please look at the multimedia screen. See, I want to show you something. So it was, when David had finished speaking these words to Saul, that Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. Next verse. And he said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have rewarded me with good, whereas I have rewarded you with evil. I hope you get a message from here. But that's not what I wanted to show you. It's 6. It's, 20, it's chapter 23, right? It's 23, please. Thank you. Now, this is what I want to show you. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. Now, verse 17. Everybody look at this. Everybody look at this. Look at this. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul... Who is talking here? Okay, it says, The hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel... And I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. See, true fellowship, there is no competition in true fellowship. There's no competition with true fellowship. Are you following what I'm saying? That's the first thing that I picked up from here. Alright? There is no competition in true fellowship. Today, I can be I can be the chosen one. Tomorrow I'm not the chosen one. I'll still push you and make sure you, you do it well. Because it's not about me. It's not about you. I mean, it's fellowship. Look at, see something else that I picked from there. It says, You shall be king over Israel and I shall be next to you. Hmm? True fellowship doesn't mind being second place. That's fellowship. Why? Because it's not about me being always in the middle or the center of attraction. I mean, today I can decide to sit down and let somebody else do the work. And tomorrow I can decide to stand up and let somebody else do the work. So it's not about who is doing the work. It's fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. fellowship. Praise God. And see what he said, the last statement here. This is the third point. The third point here says that even my father Saul knows that. Real fellowship is not ashamed to declare its stand. See, I won't be ashamed of you outside because of how you look. Have you seen people who are dodging church members? Make sure this message wasn't too exciting so you don't miss the point. Hmm? We say hello, hello, hello in church. 
But the moment we leave church, we now see in, we now see maybe in, at, 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 hmm? <laughs> at the Ahuza. We now begin to form for each other. That's not fellowship, all. Church, are you hearing me? So real fellowship, there is no competition with it. There is no problem being second place with real fellowship. And thirdly, I'm not ashamed of who you are. Okay, I'm ready to declare my association with you. Even when you don't look like it. I'm ready to show that I I identify with you. Praise God. So what did I say fellowship is? Sharing and participating. What is fellowship? Sharing and participating. If you see someone in pain, fellowship says that I will participate in your pain. That's fellowship. If you're, if you're rejoicing tomorrow, I will share in your rejoicing. That's fellowship. I won't be beefy. I won't have time to beef you. May the spirit of fellowship rest in your heart. That you'll be truly concerned for people because the spirit of fellowship is on you. You have money. Someone doesn't have transport money. You are saying go and come tomorrow. That's not fellowship. That's not the spirit of fellowship. Hallelujah. Bow down your heads everybody. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.